check. All right, welcome to Tips Not Included, where we talk all things hospitality. Hitting you up for all the way from Wellington, New Zealand. This is your host, Giovanni, including some of the industry's professionals, industries, creatives, and unsung heroes. Today we have the utmost, the alpha male at San Fran, my PP Long Stocking flatmate. <laughs> well, at least the male version of PP Long Stocking. <laughs> uh, Jack Willman. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Thank you for taking out of your time. Thank you for being here on Labor Day. Absolutely. Anytime. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Nothing to do on a public holiday, so it's good. Lovely. Why should you? Yeah, it's agreed. It's a public holiday. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. So uh, I, I've told you about the show a little bit. Uh, I told you about what I wanted to do on the podcast and the things that I've wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Honestly, nothing specific. Just... Your experience in hospitality, your story, what you're all about, and how you go about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as at the moment, you are a manager at San Fran. Yeah, I am. Which yes, is yes, indeed one of the key venues. Yeah, in it's Wellington. definitely. Um, it's definitely as far as like the smaller, larger venues goes, like the mid-sized kind of club venues. It is one of the busiest ones in the city. I mean, there's only a couple of us anyway, but um, fair. Yeah, it's been around for a long time and definitely holds. Um, I think a special place in the hearts of a lot of musicians and promoters and tour managers and yeah yeah is it's it, good would you would you say it is that one of these like when you're an up-and-coming artist and you, you kind of like want to get your feet wet you hit up San Fran or let's say you already kind of like have your place within New Zealand local music yeah San Fran's also like the place to go like where does San Fran fit within the music scene not only in Wellington, but within New Zealand? No, that's a very good question. Um, yeah, I think the feedback that I've had is that a lot of people see being able to sell out San Fran as like quite a milestone in their respective careers. Okay. Um, it feels like one of those boxes that a lot of people want to tick. Obviously, that's not you know, the way we approach it. It's like it doesn't matter whether or not people can do that. Um, from where we stand, but um, yeah, it does seem to be an important, an important uh, landmark, so to speak, uh, for a lot of people. As far as where it sits in the New Zealand music scene, I mean, again, it's been around for a very long time. Um, it's been through various phases of running certain ways. Um, it's had a lot of shows. Um, and I think again, like being one of the smaller ones, it doesn't sit in the same category as some ways with some of the bigger venues in the country, just because of their size. Of course. Um, but I think that, um, as far as like smaller club venue goes, having toured a lot myself and seen the way a lot of places operate, I would say that it is definitely um, a very respected place. Like we we do what we do really well. Dope, dope. I mean, yeah. I me I live in New York when I'm not living in Wellington, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and San Fran has that kind of feel of like that punk-ish, and not punk in terms of the punk music, but the punk scene in terms of like, you know, you, you have people who do play at San Fran, I feel that maybe five, ten years from now might not be playing music. Mm-hmm. Not as a hobby, but as a career. It's something that, this is something that they're doing while they're young with their friends and it's such a fickle such a fickle industry and it's always really hard to know like how things will pan out and where it will go um yeah so yeah i can imagine that you're right a lot of people won't continue probably but a lot of them will as well yeah of course it's just it depends <laughs> look it's, it's a lot about a lot determination work creativity yeah. it's it's you know it's just kind of like being at the right place at the right time yeah it's a lot of that um but it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, like just, just, just these places that are on the up and up, not so much San Fran, but like it caters to the people who are on the up and up. Like, all right, you come in and you test the water. You come in, you see how the crowd receives mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. You see how, you know, how, how you engage with the audience, how you, how your music makes people mm. feel. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Absolutely. It definitely, it definitely does um, provide that kind of beautiful blank canvas, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, particularly with the variety of shows that we have coming through. So it can be anything from, you know, small local bands playing for free on a Wednesday, or it can be, you know, Tash Sultana, she's played a show there. Nice. And again, also in the same kind of way to probably test the water and see like how it all goes down and 
all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely provides, as I said before, like kind of a blank canvas. It's not a venue that is orientated in one particular direction. Mm -hmm. You know, we have everything from metal to drum and bass to hip hop to punk to pop to whatever. Um, so just being able to provide uh, a spot that kind of caters to everyone and can work for everyone, I think is quite cool. And I mean that too in like smaller local bands and big international things. It's like, it just works. Yeah, it's just, it's it's kind of like the place where you want to like not only make your name, but if you already have a name, that's a spot you want to hit. Yeah, it's it's a little bit similar. I'm not I'm not sure if you know too much about New York City venues, but it reminds you a little bit of Webster Hall. So Webster Hall is this famous venue that's been around in New York. I think it's closed down. I think they're renovating or something like that. But mm -hmm. it was around for a long time, for yeah. a lot a lot of decades. And not only did they host a number of like artists that are on the up and up or unknown artists, but mm. they would host established legends, Metallica. Yeah. yeah. You know, you had um, Chet Faker there mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. One of my first shows that I saw there was Soja, which is, you know, wow. oh, reggae boots. Yeah, like fantastic. Art. Yeah. Very so good. it's it's kind of like a, a venue that caters to like established artists, but at the same time, they also did a lot of activities throughout the week to attract crowds that not necessarily you know, was made towards music. It was more like, you know, they had like this circus Saturdays where they would have circus events and like you had circus mm. acts around the club and there was music and, you know, like every floor had different music from your top commercial hits to reggae roots to wow. hip hop. So it was really dope. It was really and, cool. And so they still would let underage people in like 18, 19, 20 year olds, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they would mark them. Like, no, you can't consume alcohol because the United States is 21 and over. Yeah. So it would still cater to a young-ish scene trying to just kind of like have some good time in a place that's already kind of like, like you said, a city landmark. Mm. And that's what Webster Hall is in New York. And San Fran reminds me a lot of that because every time I go there, I see like this interesting crowd of people and this eclectic mix of young individuals from not only all around New Zealand, but from all around the world that are living here, whether they're backpackers or they're here yes. on a work holiday visa. Very true, very so true. San Fran attracts <clears throat> this interesting crowd that kind of showcases, you know, what Wellington is about. I would, I would agree with that, actually. I would absolutely agree with that. Um, yeah, I think a big part of the eth ethos is being kind of welcoming to everybody, all people. Um, yeah, no matter their musical preferences or their backgrounds or their nationalities, obviously, you know, that's not really a thing, but like just wherever they come from, whatever they do, um, and we try and create an environment where there is something for everyone and everyone can kind of enjoy. Of course. Which is nice, which is lovely, lovely position to be in. Hospitality at last. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the goal. It, like, how does it feel to be a manager at Sandhound? How, how is that? Like, because it is hospitality, but it's, it's also the music scene. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and for those who don't know, you're also a manager of two up and coming artists within mm -hmm. New Zealand. Yep. And you also work with a tour company. Yes. Amongst yeah. other jobs within the music scene in New Zealand. Yeah. yeah so your yeah. hands are all like, you know, you have, you have your fingerprints all over the place. I try to, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how, how is it that you can, how can you, not so much relate, but how do you handle your job within San Fran? catering to two different industries that kind of like collaborate within one space. Because San Fran is a venue, it's a music venue, but first and foremost, it's it's a hospitality-driven environment. Mm. You, you do serve, you, you have your craft beers, you have some food, you know, where it falls within hospitality, it doesn't matter, it's still hospitality. Yes. And then, you know, you also have to deal with musicians and mm -hmm. tour managers and promoters and equipment and sound check and all these other things. Mm. So you kind of like have to have your feet in one side of, and of the hospitality industry, and then you have your feet on the other side, which is the music industry. So how yes. how do you how do you manage that? How do how is it that Jack Wilman is a manager at San Fran? How do you go about it? To me, um, I don't I don't know that I could do one without the other. To be honest, um, I've always been someone that enjoys variety and kind of everything that I do. Um, yeah, I love that every day is not the same. Um, and I do, for the most part, really enjoy that there are two very different split parts of my job that I can focus on. Um, so again, obviously, a lot of the music side is a lot of administration, 
a lot of communication, a lot of um, problem solving, all that kind of thing. Um, but it is all largely done from the computer or the cell phone. Um, so it's always really nice to do all of that th sort of thing during the day when people are setting up and getting ready for the gig and then to be able to pour beers and interact with people and, you know, kind of have both sides of the coin, I suppose. So. Um, but again, I think having been in hospitality for, I think coming up in six and a half years now, oh. I think I would really struggle just to be pouring beers as well. Kind of need that little bit of extra challenge in dealing with the music side of things to keep it interesting and keep it varied so it doesn't just feel like a bar job. Of course. Because, yeah, again, it's, it's been a while since I got into it and I think it would start, it would be feeling like quite boring no, right now. No doubt. I mean, those of us who know... In a, in a venue environment anyway. Of course. I mean, mm. those of us who have been in hospitality for a while or for years, like yourself... Um, you you develop your skills as you go along. Yeah. Obviously, depending on your environment, and there comes a point where you you dominate your skill. Mm. You you become so good at it that you reach kind of like a ceiling within mm -hmm. your workspace. Yeah. And you need that little extra to kind of keep you on your toes. Yes. Because sometimes hospitality is like that. Sometimes hospitality is it's a stream of information, and um. So what I'm looking for is just you have to provide a service. And the service comes in many different ways. And sometimes you dominate the the way of providing this in such a way that you kind of like just become monotonous and you, you bore yourself out. You just mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, kind of blah. Yeah. You know, and for yourself, you, I think it's interesting that you have a challenge here where you have to not only manage a staff, which might have a hospitality background or might not, and you know, you have to be a manager and you have to pour your beers and you have to cater to customer and you have to... Be vigilant of what's going on within your space, but at the same time, you have to cater to the musicians and the acts. It's certainly it's certainly a juggling act that has taken a long time to be comfortable with. Um, but yeah, now I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, it's very, do, yeah, do, very do. nice to have that variety. So, you said six and a half years. Um, I think yes, around about. How did you start in hospitality? Like, what's your story about? Like, where? What was your first gig in hospital? Um, the first gig I ever had in hospitality was bartending at a Mexican restaurant, which I only did because I really wanted to go overseas and I needed money. That was the only reason. And okay. I always, fair. I'd always, yeah, really enjoyed drinking throughout my youth <laughs> and was kind of keen to learn a little bit more about it and to tackle it from the other side of the fence. Um, but it was, it was largely an, a way to get overseas. Um, so I only did that for probably three or four months, saved up all of the money that I needed. Did you go overseas? I did. Where did you go? Um, I went to, uh, that's a really good question. I went to, I went to Berlin, lived there for a while. That's true. Yeah, which was fantastic. Um, again, amazing music scene over there, but all of that was sort of before I got into it. Um, so while I'd gained some bartending experience from this Mexican place, um, it was you know, it was very sort of specialised. It wasn't like a broad spectrum kind of training that I got there. Of course. Um, so I got back to Wellington and just couldn't figure out exactly what I wanted to do other than work in a bar. Again, I'm not quite sure why I was so drawn to it at the time and all of my family members certainly weren't either. <laughs> kind of like, what, okay, cool. What did they want you to do? Oh, they were very keen on me going to university um, and I convinced myself that I also was for a while, but then realized quite quickly that that was not for me at the time. Um, and so, yeah, I just went around handing my CV in and, again, didn't have a lot of experience on it at the time. And I was really worried about how I would get a job, you know, considering that it, I had a great attitude and a really good work ethic towards it all, but not the experience that a lot of places would want you to have. Um, and I handed my CV in at a uh, now closed down um, music venue, which is a little bit, what well, was a little bit bigger than the one I'm currently in. Um, and I just said like, hey, look, I don't have heaps of experience, but I'm really willing to learn. Um, I'm a big music fan and I really like this place. And that was that. It's got a part-time work, uh, part-time job working at the spot called Bodega. Yeah. It closed now, right? It did close. Yeah, you said there were like this legendary venue within Wellington that were around it, for a long time. It certainly had and also held and to some extent still holds um, 
a really soft spot in the heart of a lot of people. Um, it did have some really incredible shows come through. Um, and yeah, I think was the location of a lot of fond memories for people. Oh, yeah, cool. it so, was good, but it was just big business that ended up closing it down. Unfortunately. It is, but that's the way things go, and it certainly opened new doors for me. The way that that all happened. Um, and again, when it closed, I was really clear that I wanted to continue working with within gigs. And I was yeah, managing a band at the time and studying some form of music management at university. Um, so you actually did end up going to uni? I did, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> but again, like once I'd had this experience in venues, realizing that I was really interested in how gigs worked and the whole sort of like business side of it. Yeah, and having been exposed to that more um, myself, like after that I was really clear that I did want to study, but it was more, yeah, it was like I was ready to do music properly and I hadn't, I hadn't been aware of that at all the years before, um, so it definitely wasn't the right time. Um, Sounds like you were trying to like find yourself. Absolutely. But trying to stay true to yourself at the same time. Yep, very much so. You know, you, you don't know what you want to do. Nope. But you love music. You're a hard worker. And here's a music venue. And why not? And that was the thing. Yeah, that was that was kind of the reason that it worked out. And it was quite quite gratifying for me in some ways too, being able to say to my family. You know, having had this discussion about like, oh, like why do you want to work in a bar? It seems like there's the potential there for a lot of like kind of toxic habits and unhealthy behavior and a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, all this kind of thing, even though I was like 20 at the time. Um, and it was quite gratifying for me um, to be able to go back to my family and say like this bar job that I got has actually completely changed the trajectory of my life, Come very unexpectedly. Um, but again, yeah, through learning more about music and meeting a lot of people and working with a lot of people, um, again, through that, I now manage one of the bands that I'm still working with. This was how I made the connection to the touring company um, and the experience working within a gig venue already and understanding a bit about what goes into that is definitely what got me the job um, that I currently hold. So all these opportunities came at San Fran or Bodega? Or Bodega was the bridge? Bodega was the bridge. Bodega was where it all started and where I learnt how to pour a beer <laughs> and how to make a gin and tonic Lovely. and how to deal with intoxication and how to sort of try and juggle a whole bunch of things in my mind and coordinate a whole bunch of different things as you said before like having sort of one foot in each pie um, and the job at San Fran has definitely honed those skills in new ways and you know I've learned a bunch of new and different things um, but yeah I kind of all just started there and was lucky enough to just grow what? with it. I like that. I like the fact that th th there's there's a linear story to, to mm. where you're at right now and how it all came to be. What's what's your fondest memory of, of Bodega? Like, what's one thing or one one gig, one act, one night, something that you can that you, you can always look back and like, yo, this sounds crazy. Like, yep. this like this definitely kind of like played a role in who I am today. Whether that's not to say dramatic, but it definitely they just maybe mm. a gig that kind of like opened your eyes and like, whoa. I mean, there have there have certainly been a few. There, I mean, there's yeah, there's been heaps. I I did the maths the other day, and I think again I started there 2014. We're now nearly in 2020. What's that? It's like five. They provided some five, background music for us, by the way. That's good. Ruby. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys can hear, but. <laughs> Just funky. They're they're having a nice little very nice party in the Enjoying parking a holiday. lot. Though I'll, I'll go um, with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's there's definitely been many many shows that have stood out. Um, but again, like doing rough mathematics of, I would have I think at this point seen through working upwards of somewhere between eight hundred to a thousand live shows in the past five or six years. Um, and so as with any other job, that sort of has a routine even though this job obviously has a routine in a very different way. Um, and that you've got different music coming through every day, different people, that kind of thing. Um, in my experience, they do often blur into one quite a bit as well. So it's very, it's very hard for me to look back and remember specifics about, you know, shows that I've seen or whatever. But there have certainly been a few that really blew me away. Would you say, I mean, I'm sure there's 
hundreds of people just like you around the world mm -hmm. who have the opportunity to witness music for years and acts every other day or every night. Yeah. Would you say you're qualified to kind of like, maybe not say who's the next breakthrough star, but what's good, what's great, and what's shit? Um, yeah. Or what, who has I potential? would say, I mean, I've definitely got opinions on that. Okay, fair. <laughs> um, again, I feel like it's all, it's all very subjective. Like people, you know. Depends certain, on what you like, of course. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely have some opinions on what could work and what couldn't work. Um, and again, I would never share those. I feel like it's, you know, everyone's got an opinion. Only if necessary. Yeah, and it never has been. So it's kind of like, you know, don't want to, you know, me sharing my opinions with people on whether or not their music will be commercially successful doesn't really contribute to anybody. So I choose not to. And Again, if I see potential in them or something, that might be a different story. As it has been with the two acts that I'm currently managing, like seeing, seeing them and their raw talent has definitely led on to talks of like, okay, I feel like this could be a really commercially successful project. What do you think of these ideas? Or let's work together. And that's the beauty about art. Art doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be widely accepted. Nope. Art is an interpretation of an artist's vision, feeling, story, mm. and what they want to express. Yeah. And it's much. up to us as the audience to be able to perceive it and receive it in however we want to or however they best can. That's very true. You know, so... And it's my job to get that person or that act or that band in front of an audience. The proper audience at best, yep. but regardless if it's not, you want to expose them. Yes, yes, exactly. And I love that, I love that. I, I want to go back to something that you said earlier. So, mm -hmm. and, and I find it very interesting. So you, you said your family wasn't really keen or wasn't really like on board with you working in the bar. Not overly, no. And what I find interesting about that is that a lot of people, I mean, I don't know your family. I, I've met your sister a couple of times, but outside of that, I don't, I don't know your family. I don't mm -hmm. know what they're about. I don't know what they do career-wise, individually, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, what they wanted you to be or do or what they had a vision for you as, as parents. Mm. Um, but one thing I do, I do know for a fact is that hospitality is extremely broad. And it is. a lot of people tend to like treat hospital as like just a get-by kind of job. Absolutely. You know, kind of something you, you get into if you can't really get into a career job or you mm. don't have the wits and smarts to be able to, you know, put yourself in a position to, you know, be a doctor, be an engineer, be a yep, lawyer, very much, yeah. you know, be something that's significant socially yeah. to the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then again, hospitality is all around us in so many ways and it hospitality is. is so broad that if you really pick the right place in the right spot, yeah. it could definitely take you in a route that could make such an interesting life for you. In your case, you decided true. you decided to work in a venue, which eventually led to you honing, owning your passion in music and actually finding not mm. only a job but a career in it. Yeah, you know. So just like slowly but surely, you know, you could have gone in a different direction and been, oh, I really like bartending. I'm gonna get really into bartending and mm. look for a job in a cocktail bar. Or you could have been into beers and like, oh, I'm going to try to get a job in a brewery or, yeah. you know, a craft beer bar. Mm. You know, you could have gone in so many different ways. And in this case, you went into the music scene. But this was because of hospitality. It was. It was, yeah, very much related. It, it didn't start out as a job being like, oh, I really want to work in a music venue. It was more like, this is a bar that's cool that I enjoy being at. So maybe this would be a good environment to work in. So the music thing definitely came later, but totally, as, as you say, like, to start off with, it was very much like a rudimentary bar job, and it just it grew from there, kind of on its own. Yeah, but yeah, there are many ways it could have gone. It's dope because I mean, I, I just I just want to make it clear to people that you don't you don't always have to look at hospitality as you know you don't you can't look down on people and be like oh he's a bartender. Mm. No, it doesn't work like that. Hospitality provides you the tools to be able to utilize the skills that are provided for you mm. in the best of your ability, and then pick a road. Yeah. If you want to pick one or multiple roads within hospital. Yeah. But there's so many things you can do. And that's what Very I love true. about it. You know, it's, it's so big and so wide. And it includes everybody 
in terms of people from all around the world, different cultures, different backgrounds, different likings, different scenes, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it's just it's just the way it is, and I, I love that. I, I love the fact that you didn't listen to your parents. I love the fact that you <laughs> decided to be a bartender, and you know now you're here sitting in front of me, you know, talking about how you not only run a music venue and you run a bar staff and you have to deal with people and intoxication mm. all that, but you also are able to like enjoy every single evening and watch all these incredible musicians go up on stage and just see different people come in and out as also meet established acts around the world and just kind of like right in front of you. And they come to you like, okay, this is what we're going to do about bro. And I love that. I love that, you know, you, I love it too. you did it your way <laughs> and hospital took you there, but also yeah. some effort on your end. Yes, yeah, certainly. You know, yes, yeah, certainly. Which um, is cool. Yeah, I think, I think hospitality were probably more, actually maybe not, but maybe more specifically people working in bars um, does potentially have a bit of a preconception behind it of being, like you said, kind of just like a fill-in job. College student. Yeah, know, yeah, totally. Travelers. Yeah. And also it's just like you're staying up late, you're probably drinking quite a lot, you're probably smoking cigarettes, you're probably not eating well, you're probably not sleeping good hours, blah, 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 blah. But what I feel like people fail to recognise as well is that regardless of where a hospitality job may take you, I think particularly at you know, the age of a college student or someone looking to start studying soon or whatever, Sorry, I say college as in high school. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. In> my <laughs> I colleges. just realized this, both. Um, that, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like there is a lot that any kind of hospitality job can teach you if you recognize that those things are there to take away. So, like, certainly for me, going into it quite young and quite green and not overly confident in dealing with confrontation, I certainly learned a lot about, yeah, how to deal with difficult people which I think is something that regardless of whatever career path you take you're going to have to do it in your life of course you're going to have to be difficult sometimes yes yeah. yeah you're going to have to like deal with difficult people sometimes too and like know how to diplomatically solve situations um, again like you know managing a bunch of people like yeah working within a team as well as being able to work on your own life being again leader. yeah yeah which is something that I have struggled with and do struggle with in the classic sense of that term um, I don't. I don't really believe in hierarchy unless it needs to be there. Um, and so far, that's worked really, really well for me. Um, but yeah, no, I feel. I feel like there's a bunch of things. Time management, you know, learning things quickly, dealing with a variety of different people, you know, managing your energy, managing your life outside of work. Um, yeah, I feel like there are a lot of things that can be taken away that people overlook particularly from the outside. So my parents, as an example, you know, it's just like kind of seen as maybe like a shitty bar job. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely taught me a lot about myself. Um, I continue to learn every day. Um, and I feel like everybody, no matter what their career ends up being or what path they choose to take, that working in hospitality, at least for a few months, should just be a thing that everybody does. Oh, definitely. Because it also means that, like, everyone would be nicer to everybody at a restaurant or a bar. Because <laughs> empathize, empathize, empathize. Yeah, if you've been on the other side, you get it. So yeah, I don't know. I think if we get that happening, the next generations of diners will be a lot more friendly. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that always comes through as well is is the amount of product knowledge that you take with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously this yeah, is dependent on, on the establishment of where you work, the restaurant, mm. the bar, the cafe, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. In your case, it's beer, spirits, and music. Yep. <laughs> music is yes, a part Yes, it is. You know. Damn right. Uh, on that note, like, tell me a little bit about, like, you manage two acts. You manage Seamouse, and then you manage... A young electronic musician called Neil McLeod. Neil McLeod. So two very different styles of music. Cool. Um, but again... Two live shows that in my five or six years working in venues have absolutely blown me away. Which are the acts that you represent now? Yeah. Though. Two people, well, two, two acts that I just saw so much potential in and really, really liked and appreciated and was just excited about. Um, I've had the chance to see CMOS live and mm. wow. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's an experience and I just I feel like it's not really a genre of music that is well 
I shouldn't say what, genre. Like, what would you describe CMOS as? What would CMOS be if you could try to fit them in, in, in with not necessarily within one genre, but mm. you could, you know, obviously add up a few genres up in there and say like this is this is who we are, or I would I would call them dirty rock and roll with a bluesy twist. Dirty rock and roll with dirty a bluesy rock twist. and roll with a bluesy twist. And there is there is not a lot of rock and roll coming out of New Zealand. Bourbon included. Huh? Bourbon included. Bourbon included. Um, no, no one drinks bourbon in their band. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but again, I feel like that's potentially one of the differences, one of the main differences between rock and roll and rock. Okay. So I feel like rock and roll maybe harkens a lot more to an older style of riff and an older style of kind of songwriting. Um, and the classic kind of rock, rock nowadays is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 60s, 70s, like, you know, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin. Yep. Absolutely. You know, The Doors, yep. you know, Rolling Stones, you know, the list goes on and on. Absolutely. I, just, I feel like this band are much more reminiscent of that sort of older style that doesn't really exist in a fresh way anymore. Okay. Um, but they pull it off. Well, they don't, they don't have to pull it off. They don't have to try. Like, they just do. They just do That's it. That's just their style. It's just their style. And there's not really... You know, as far as rock and roll and rock and whatever the subtle differences are between those, um, it's certainly different and fresher than most rock music that I've heard coming out of this country myself. Yeah. So Again, you, I cannot claim to have heard every New Zealand rock band, but... You could. I feel like this... I mean, I, I, mean, I could. It, it's not it true. It's not true. four to five years. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. No, there's, there's been heaps, and they've definitely stood out in that, in that particular field to me. Cool. I honestly, uh, to those who haven't seen Seamouse yet or who haven't heard about them, check them out on Spotify. They're dope. If you get a chance to see them live, can recommend. Highly encourage you to. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Uh, what about Mr. Neil? Uh, Mr. Neil is completely. I've had a chance to meet him. I had a, I had a sit down with him a little about five ten minutes. Mm. Uh, he was over at our flat. By the way, we're roommates. Just don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, Neil came over. We had coffee. We chatted. Very well knowledge about music in general. He is, yeah. He's... I was quite surprised. I was taken aback by that. I didn't think he was going to know, especially I'm from Puerto Rico, so I'm a Latino, so I'm, I'm, I, I listen to music both in English and Spanish and certain genres that don't exist in a certain English, and I, I was very taken aback and surprised that he was just as knowledgeable about those genres and those artists and where they sit amongst the music industry. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know too much about his music, but I can definitely tell you that he's he's quite all over the place in terms of like what he knows, which is great. Yeah, his his knowledge base is incredible, in my opinion. Um, and I think it also just comes from being a music lover and being interested and open-minded to all sorts of things. Um, yeah, no, he will often play me songs when we're driving around by some random composer from the middle of nowhere that I've never heard of or, you know, can't even really wrap my head around. And, you know, that'll be something that he listens to all the time. Like, he's just got this um, incredible knack for discovering all of this incredible stuff that is potentially quite underground and quite... Um, flying quite under the radar. Um, so, yeah, no, it's always nice spending time with him um, say, from that from that. Would you say he incorporates all these little things into his music because since I've never had a chance mm. to listen to his music yet which I will promise you that I would yeah again would totally recommend like it's definitely at the end of another spectrum to what Seamouse are doing okay um, it's very it's I would describe it as very like intelligent electronica music okay. so I mean you know as well as well as being a really beautiful vocalist and an incredible songwriter he's also got a really really creative production streak within him but like he's an incredible producer um, and I think part of that inspiration probably does come from hearing a whole bunch of really eclectic acts and you know songs and artists and whatever over his time and actively seeking them out as well um, I think that's cool yeah I mean, it's definitely I, yeah I was having coffee with him and I was talking talking about Rosalia and I'm like yeah look at him <laughs> You know, and he, yeah. he, then he mentioned, you know, when I talked about me being Puerto Rican, he brought up Bad Bunny, which I was like, surprised. So I was like, no way, bro. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't yeah. even know he was into, like, the whole trap reggaeton scene. Like, all right, yeah. I like that. I like that. You know. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily think it. No. He, I mean. Or from the kind of music that he makes, but yes, it's very. 
Especially, I mean, he's I'm not saying well that versed. he. He has a, he doesn't have a certain look that. I I don't know I don't know I'm saying that I just sitting down with him talking to him, you know it's not someone I could. I I, I never thought that the name Bad Bunny would come out of his mouth. <laughs> it just it just it just doesn't click in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I wanted to ask you how. Like with your experience in hospitality, your experience within the venue and the mm. music scene, how do you take the skills and the things that you've learned throughout the years within hospitality and implement them into your other responsibilities outside of San Fran? It's a very For example, good question. with Seamouse, with mm-hmm. Neil, with the touring company, and mm-hmm. any type of job that you do outside of hospitality, like how do you take those skills mm. that already maybe second nature to you or mm. maybe you don't even know that you're implementing those skills into your day-to-day life and yeah. your job and your career yeah that's a very good question um, I think going back to what I was saying before about learning to deal with difficult people <laughs> not in relation to either Seamouse or Neil not that any of them are difficult people <laughs> um, but more about yeah maybe diplomatic communication um, doing my best to manage my very busy schedule as well as I can. Um, yeah, no, that's a very good question. Do you like bother other venue managers about what's gonna be in the green room for your acts, for example? <laughs> like, throw some brand names out there, you know? God, no. <laughs> I, mean, no I, think it's, I think it's very important to remember at, at this particular point that we're still, still working on up and coming and Again, having been on the receiving end years ago of um, many, many people demanding things in a really, you know, in, in a way that you sort of shouldn't at the level that certain bands were at. Um, it's certainly something I'm careful not to do. Um, I want to remember my place within the whole thing, which at this point is close to the bottom of the ladder. That's very humble. <laughs> It's, it's also just true. It's just the way that it is at the moment. And um, again, throughout years of seeing people kind of getting a little bit maybe big for their shoes and kind of jumping the gun a little bit as far as how other people are treated, uh, certainly something that I never want to do. Yeah, especially in Wellington. Wellington's a very small Especially in Wellington. But like, yeah, for the rest of my career, that's not something I want to do. Okay. Yeah. I don't have any weight to throw around at the moment, and even if I did, I wouldn't want to. I mean, you're a fairly skinny. No, this is true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. couldn't, couldn't do it if I wanted to. <laughs> but hey, hey, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, I, I can't imagine, like, Wellington being so small and New Zealand being so small. Yeah. And I, come, I myself come from... There's just from, no point, hey. There's just no point in being a dick. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I come from a, a country which is more of a similar population to New Zealand, mm-hmm, you know, about mm-hmm. 3.5 million people, Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and New Zealand's more around the same, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more. It's very easy, and obviously this is not me talking firsthand as if I knew certain artists, but it's very easy for artists to become big within their country, which is actually quite small, Yeah, and kind of like get too much, you know, get a little bit of air, of arrogance. Yeah, I, I've, certainly seen, I've certainly seen that um, before. And I can understand why that happens in some ways. I think, I think success, having success in one's home country is a big achievement. Of course. And, you know, inspires a lot of confidence and a lot of other things. Um, and also feel like it's potentially quite easy to get stuck in that cycle. Um, and that doing one's best to keep a wider vision alive. Um, and not to settle for you know, success yeah, you in would. one's home country is really important as well. You, Unless that's what your sort of end game is. Do you want to stay true to the art? Yeah, exactly. You, you want to stay true to the scene. You want to be like, look, this is this is my artwork. This is what I'm creating for you guys, mm-hmm. and this is this is something I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, I'm putting my effort, my work in it, and a lot of people are, mm-hmm. and that's basically it. Yeah. You know, it, it's cool. It's it's interesting because right? you see a lot of people kind of like lose control. Yes. You know, and, and I guess maybe this is where your hospitality skills come in and you kind of like become, not a hierarchy, but kind of like making sure that everything is flowing. Yeah. You know. Making sure everything is as easy and organized and stress-free as possible is probably 
how I would most simply define what I try to do with these bands. Again, I will in no way pretend to be, you know, glorified guru of it yet. Um, certainly not, and it's all it's all a big learning curve. Um, but yeah, that is basically how you would describe. Of course, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, trying to keep everything flowing. So, in whatever way necessary. Outside of uh, so, you do have a lot of things on your plate right now. Yes. Like, what do you have any projects that you're looking f- towards, like in the future, in the next six to ten months? Yeah, absolutely. Heaps. <laughs> got heaps. Yeah, I know. I had to like struggle. I had to find like you showed me your calendar. I was like, Damn, wait, there has to be a blank spot around here. I'm gonna fit you in. Yeah, there is. At about <laughs> the beginning of April next year. Something new, something different. No, just a break. So yes, <laughs> so yes, actually. Um, yeah, no, it's good. I'm working on a couple of album releases over the next six months. Um, I'm working on two, actually no, three different tours, um, all within three the same two month time frame. And the three different tours are they for for the two artists that you represent, or are they? Yes, yes, and also for a really wonderful blues musician from New York oh. called Blind Boy Paxton. Really incredible blues musician is he based off Wellington or is he based on New York no he's American okay so yeah. he's based in New York so he's, he based, he's based in New York now I believe but was living in well comes from Los Angeles so yeah he's coming here to do eight shows around the country which would be great I'm taking on publicity for that um, so this is this your first international act that you're no. kind of representing or uh, like? I'm just I'm just um, yeah just working on general publicity for this one um, but I have been fortunate enough to work on tours for the Dandy Warhols as well, within just just all in New Zealand. Um, also the Brian Jonestown Massacre, Kitty Daisy and Lewis, Evan Dando, Gemma Ray, um, as well as the people that I work with directly. So this is this is nothing new for you. This is just your, your feet has been wet for a while. You just kind of like just doing your job in the best of your ability and just kind of. Like mm. I've had my toes in the pool. For a while. For a while. They're kind of running right now. They're kind of like, you know what it's like. But it's going. like every, yeah, every tour you learn something new. Every different role that one takes on within a tour would teach someone something else. So, yeah. So, like, particularly at the moment, I have taken on roles within those tours in different ways. Particularly with this blues tour, like, figuring out how I'm going to reach a market full of blues people. And blues lovers and appreciators, which isn't really a market I've tried to work within before. And what? That's exciting. How would you describe this market? Is it like age bracket or maybe within New Zealand bracket? Like, how is it like an older crowd? Is it like a somewhere an eclectic crowd? Young, mid, mm. eight, older crowd? Because blues, blues is something that I enjoy, but it's also seen as like something that was, you know, very old school, very like you know that bluesy sound mm. back in the day. It is. It is. Yeah, this particular one. Um, his his whole thing really is bringing bringing the blues of the 1920s mm. into the modern day and making well not make it is it is still as relevant as it was of but kind of bringing that to as large an audience as possible um and yeah he does an incredible job of that exactly what the crowd is and the, what the demographic is i'm i'm still working out because again you know every every show is different every tour is different so it's always kind of going back to square one and figuring out where this fits into the scheme of things as they currently sit. Um, so yeah, I don't have an answer for that one, but I'm looking forward to finding out. But I like the fact that every opportunity that you get, you have a chance to show, showcase a skill set that you've gained throughout time mm. in a different way. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very much growing and developing still, and I think it will until I, until I stop doing it. Um, but yeah, you keep challenging yourself, and along with that also yeah. comes network, which leads you to more so. opportunities, better situations to be able to grow within your career. Which is one thing yeah. I, I I've enjoyed. Like you know, if, if, now think about this, bro. All this obviously not saying that is because of hospital. It's obviously mm. your hard work, mm. your personality, your vision, you know, your goals for life. Yeah. You know, short term, long term, mm-hmm. and and the things that you you see for yourself. But it's interesting how a bar job. At a Mexican restaurant, was able to lead you to this. It is. It's super. Yeah, it's real interesting to you know, me. As so, well. for those who say the hospital is a dead end job and it's a college job, there's no way. I think it can be for a lot of people, but again, if you if you choose to look at it that way, 
or if you have that perception of it, of course it's going to turn out to be a dead end job that does fuck all for you. Excuse me. No, it's all good. I mean, it's it, it is what it is. I mean, it's it's all about changing perspective. It is, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know what? How to make the most of it? You know. Mm. Yeah, it's very true. Do you, do you see yourself like having hospital in your life in the future? Like, is this something that you maybe once you've established yourself? To a point where you want to be at career-wise, you see yourself maybe investing in a venue, opening a bar, or having hospitality mm. in your life in one way or another. Or is this something that is just I mean transitional? I, I will continue drinking. <laughs> um, I think in that respect, you would definitely that always be a client. To be a part of my life for a little while, at least. Always um, be a guest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as uh, doing it myself on a day-to-day on the ground, um, it is not something I see myself doing going forward. Um, it has been so far and will I think continue to be a really fantastic way well a really fantastic sort of enabler of me doing this other thing these other things on the side um, and as in my current job as well holding down um, the position of being able to work within all these gigs and stuff I feel like that's super valuable and will continue to be valuable um, but as far as a career goes aside from potentially investing in a venue which is something I've promised myself I won't ever do. Um, yeah, never that's, that's never. probably not. Well, I know, I know that's the thing. You just never know how things are going to change or what will happen. Or, um, but as far as where I stand now, I don't, I don't really see myself going forward, um, keeping hospitality on the forefront of my day-to-day. Um, and I feel totally fine about that. You know, it's been it's been so fantastic, and it will continue to be fantastic. It's like that relationship with that person that you had, like that partner. Like, yeah, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah. I learned a lot. I grew. It mm-hmm. got me to who I am today. Exactly. And I'm not going to keep thinking about it <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> exactly. I'm not like we enjoyed our time. It was good. Thank you. Yeah. Best of luck to you. Yeah. I must go my own way now. Exactly. That's that is a little <laughs> bit how it feels. Um, but I think I'd miss it too if I stopped. You know, pouring beers at the moment. I, I feel you. I, yeah. I, I've, I've fallen in love with hospitality in a very interesting way, in a way that I never expected. You know, I, I've been in hospital for a decade myself, and here I am, 12 years out, mm. still in hospitality. I, I never thought of myself in this. Uh, but that, that's dope. I, I love the fact that you, you're real and you're honest, and I, yeah. I definitely wish you the best of luck in that aspect. I appreciate it. No worries, man. Yeah, there was, there was definitely a time that I felt differently. Like back when I was just starting out, 2014, got this first venue <laughs> job and it was all really exciting and fresh and new and there was, you know, craft beer that was just sort of like starting to break onto the scene and, you know, spent a bit of time working at a cocktail bar at the same time I was working at this first venue and I did get really excited about it and it did feel like the kind of career that I could pursue. Um, and there was music. And then something more interesting to me came along something that grabbed my attention and my passion more so. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, there was totally a time that I was like, yeah, absolutely. I well, do this. <laughs> on that note, uh, I want to get to basically what I... So at the end of every show, I, I, every episode, I want to ask yes. the guest, uh, what would be their perfect date? And because you did have a vision of working in hospitality at once upon a time and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. seeing yourself within this career, you obviously had the chance to brainstorm and go to different places and try different foods and go to different coffee shops, different restaurants and this and that. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, if you could have the perfect date, could be by yourself or with somebody, what would it be like? Like, not necessarily date, but like, you know, within hospital, you go out to eat, you have your coffee, your dinner, your biscuits, your dessert. What, like, what's your perfect scenario? That's Where would you go? Question. Where would you start? Where would you end? Within Wellington. Could be anywhere. Like, what, where would you, like, name the restaurant, name the cafe, name the bar, what would you eat, what would you drink? Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. That's such a good question. Within, within a hospitality so environment? Of course. Right, okay. You yeah, know, where's sure. your nightcap at? Where, where are yeah. you starting? Where, you know, let's, let's get some... I don't, know, I don't know if I can drop names of places. Um, <laughs> it's okay. We definitely start out with, like... A beer or two somewhere. What kind of beers? Um, I would say not intensely hoppy APAs would probably okay. be the one. American Pale <laughs> I like this one or two. Yeah, one or two. Okay. Really chilled out dinner somewhere nice, what not you, pretentious. What are we eating? Well, in my perfect world, it would be burgers. 
Burgers. I love burgers. I've ate far too many burgers. Okay. And have no regrets about doing so. Any favorite burger spot in Wellington? Yeah. Um, really fantastic burger joint. Well, not only burgers, but they do do amazing burgers called Laundry. Oh. <laughs> it is, my, <laughs> it is my hands down favorite burger place in Wellington. Favorite burger? Laundry? It's a really hard, really hard question. Um, I would say it is a three way tie, actually. I have wow. a lot of favorites there. I don't blame you. Okay. Yeah. yeah so it's amazing. Probably have burgers there. Okay. Potentially go, well, actually, if we're serious, probably go have a few drinks across the road at Havana Bar. Okay. Probably go to a gig. What are we drinking at Havana Not at San Fran. Um, probably just more beers. More beers? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Sounds like you're a beer guy. I've, I've never been on a date to Havana, so I've not, <laughs> I haven't had to really impress anyone this when I'm there. This is for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How does one be there and be really classy? I'm sure, I know it's possible, I've just never done it. Oh, you, got, you got to act classy, that's all about it. So it's, true. It's, it's about so acting true. classy. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about the spot. Oh, Looking, absolutely. acting classy. Just having a good time. That's That would be my whole thing. And then a gig. And then probably go to a gig. Lovely. Then probably go to one two one if it was still around, dance wow. to some techno and then go home. It's a long date. Yeah. Well it depends how fast you drink. Fair, true. <laughs> <laughs> or how fast you can inhale burgers. True, lovely. I like this, I like this. We're going for a couple of beers first. I mean I'm, I'm acting as if I'm coming along. <laughs> yeah, you'll be there. <laughs> so you get a couple of regular paleos, a couple of beers. Yeah. A couple of burgers, a beer with your burger as well, I, I assume. So. Absolutely. A couple of extra beers. Why not? Afterwards, and then we're gonna go listen to some music. More beers at the gig? Absolutely. And more beers at one to one? Fuck yeah, it's a beer kind of day. It's beer kind of day. Beer light. <laughs> I'm sure there'd be some whiskey in there as well. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere. between <laughs> yeah. every other beer. Somewhere in between. <laughs> Lovely, bro. I like that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Jack's version of a perfect day. Perfect day. I never. I haven't thought about that in years. <laughs> it's good. I might. Yeah, I might have to do that. I might have to do that soon. Dude, uh, I just uh, wanted to thank you again for taking out of your time for so being welcome. with me, sitting down with us, with myself actually. Um, if you could just you know drop a name in terms of how people are gonna touch with you, if you wanna like you know. For Seamouse, for Mr. Neil, mm-hmm. you know, how how can the audience best listen to them if they're interested in? Yep. Spotify is the one. Spotify is the place to find everything. Okay. It is the easiest way to be supportive of these artists as well. And they are? In the current day and age. They are Seamouse and Neil McLeod. Lovely. And as far as getting in touch with them, their Facebook pages and websites will reach me. Sweet. Perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect. So I yeah. wish you the best of luck. I wish them the best of luck. Hopefully, if anybody out there gets a chance to see Seamouse or Neil McLeod uh, yep. live, I encourage you listen to their music, support them, uh, and my man. Cheers! Thank you for being I here. I would also encourage them people to do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, from Wellington, New Zealand, guys. Your host Giovanni. Have a good one. Refresh, bro.